Hey, this is Mallory. And this is Bethany. And you're listening to Killer Stargazing. On this podcast, we choose a killer, look at their birth chart, and see if we can get a more in-depth look into what makes them tick. If you don't know what a birth chart is, it is a map of the positions of the planets at the time you were born, and supposedly will tell you everything about yourself. Mm-hmm. Every week, we also have our killer cocktail. This week, we're having Little Miss Sunshine. It is vodka, sparkling lemon water, a dash of limeade mix, fresh squeezed lemon, and garnished with a lemon ring. As always, the recipe will be posted on our Instagram at Killer Stargazing, so check it out. That being said, if you like true crime and astrology or just curious, grab a drink and let's get into it. Okay, mm-hmm. so Bethany, what do we have for this chart? Okay. So for this chart, again, we don't have an exact birth time. So I'm going to go ahead and just start with some elements and modes in her chart. Okay. So uh, elements and modes show what we aim for in life. They show our broadest focus and just in the most general sense how we go about achieving our goals. So for the four elements, of course, fire, earth, air, and water, the most comprehensive inventory of the personality that we have. Fire is your basic enthusiastic urge. Earth shows your concern for the material world. Air is the element of abstract thought, and water is your empathy impulse. Okay. So fire and earth are primitive and focused on the self. Air and water are derivative and focused on others. Okay. Fire and air, naturally extrovert, optimistic, active, freedom-oriented, while earth and water are basically introvert, pessimistic, passive, (laughs) (laughs) security-oriented. Okay, so there is a lot of fire in her chart. So that's very dominating, um, very fast-paced, kind of inclined to invest um, a lot of themselves into their activities. Um, They have difficulty perceiving other people as separate individuals with their own valid needs and desires, though. Okay. Um, As far as Earth, the only planet... Mars is the only planet she has an Earth sign in. So that's like 10% of her chart is influenced by the Earth element. So very little. Okay. What what sign is it in? Um, her Mars is in Capricorn. So Earth is the controlling element for how your energy works. And this suggests that you would struggle very hard to be practical and thorough in life. Never feeling uh, really grounded. So always seeking some type of security, possibly even in the form of staying in a relationship or a job or something for longer than you should. Hmm. Okay. Air, also not, it's about 20% of her chart is um, in the air element. So there's an active intellect. Your eye is kind of like always looking. Your mind's always attempting to grasp more information, but but you don't feel super confident in what you know. Okay. Just frequently feeling very out of contact and maybe misunderstood. Um, Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And, but very much still like a hunger for social interaction. <laughs> <laughs> and water. Now we get to water, which she has about 30% of her chart in the water element. And the emotional content of her chart is, is really strong. Like, it's definitely not a neutral ingredient in her life. She's not a neutral person. <laughs> I'll just tell you that. Yeah. 
So how you're able to kind of integrate this quality of empathy into the rest of your personality traits basically will determine how well you do with others in life. Learning good relationship skills early on would be super important for her for proper adjustment and socialization, like so, in life in general. So if she doesn't, then yeah, then bad news. <laughs> bad news. Um, okay, now the modes. So the three modes, cardinals, fixed, and mutable. Um, modes are, uh, well, the modes of expression show how you act out your urges in the world. So they represent your most basic responding mechanism toward all of life experience. Uh, the cardinal planets show direct expression and physical action, leadership ability, and strength. The fixed mode planets show reaction, consistency, persistency, endurance, stubbornness. Like they're fixed on something. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then the mutable planets um, show just synthesis, blending, thought, forethought, debate, wisdom. Adapting to change and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so there is an abundance of cardinal planets in her chart. So this it's very active. You're able to choose the direction and, you know, go your own way in life. Stronger than most people you know, and this gives you kind of a natural desire for leadership. But red flag, you do act very impulsively. I will say that I know right off the top <laughs> that that matches her. Yeah. <laughs> she definitely did her own thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So a real imp- – so trying to control – your assertions in order to stay in harmony with your environment would be important. And otherwise, you're just running the risk of just self-inflicted accidents and difficulties. Mm, like okay. your worst enemy, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, she also has a tremendous amount of fixed in her chart. So that's endurance. Um, whether a course of action is good or bad, you're more than likely going to see it through. Yeah. Um, you... Get that principal inertia within you. So when you rest, you have really like a real difficulty getting going again. Mm-hmm. And when you're in motion, you have a real difficulty like stopping. Like, so it's like all, zero or a hundred. Yeah, yeah. And um and but people do find you a loyal friend and a tenacious enemy. So, you know, you just want to hope you be on the, the good side of that one. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> all right, so that's the elements and modes. Let's move on to the good stuff. Yeah. Okay, so the sun, the sun, your ego structure. Um, sun sign just shows the center of your basic character. It's just the most primary indicator of the forms of experience you're attracted to as well as how and why you're attracted to these experiences. Okay. So her son is in Pisces. Oh, we love a Pisces. My Pisces. My mom's a Pisces. I do have a special place in my heart for Pisces as well. Um, So so Pisces are probably the most sympathetic and self-sacrificing of souls. Like, you could say it's the sign of sorrow and undoing um, because you can so easily become the creator of your own downfall. So I think when you hear the story, you're going to maybe think that that might not apply to her. Uh But there's an aspect of the story we'll get to where I think it really does apply, like the whole self-sacrificing and and loyalty type of thing. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, um... A very good imagination, good receptivity to others. Um, you also have kind of this like otherworldliness about you, which 
can actually come out in some really creative ways if applied properly. <laughs> <laughs> you have a deep emotional understanding of others and a real will to serve. You just need to be careful that you aren't so suggestible that you fall into like self-pitying and avoidance behavior. Mm. Like life may become so punctuated with trouble and heartache that you just try desperately to escape with no clear sense of like where you're even headed. 100%. <laughs> you have to fight extra hard for stability, for strength, for purpose and balance needed to combat like the negative and emotional confusion that just really comes with this sign. Yeah. Um, you know, the animal ruled by Pisces, of course, fish, the symbol, two fishes tied together swimming in opposite directions represents conflicting emotions and desires that pull you back and forth. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I never even wondered why that was. Yeah, you just know the little, the fishy symbol. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Now, a fatal flaw in Pisces is the tendency to flee from what you don't want to deal with. (laughs) (laughs) They also have an instinct for finding the easiest way out of anything, like a CEO of the path of least resistance right here. But this is also why so many talented, charming natives of this sign never attain the position in life which their gifts really truly entitle them to, because these emotional distractions can just lead you, you know, into, well, into a world of very addictive behavior that's very, very much very, very prone to drug and alcohol abuse. Interesting. Yes. Now, we do have some hard aspects here as well. So aspects to the sun show ways that the core of the personality are linked to other component elements in your life. Mm -hmm. So they have a very deep significance and are generally more important and more prominent than any other aspects in the chart. And um, hard aspects like the square, semi-square opposition are the aspects that kind of help us recognize what in our personality needs some changing. Okay. (laughs) So the sun is in hard aspect to her moon and her Saturn. Um, So this is, you have a tendency to get your own way. Um, You have material and emotional needs that cut against the grain of what you try to accomplish for ego satisfaction. The successes that you have in life do tend to be very short-lived or just fluctuating until you work out a compromise between these inner drives and like your mechanisms and techniques for accomplishing your goals. Okay. Just really difficulty mastering anything truly sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. No. any, Any real physical vitality or enthusiasm, you know? Yeah. That's pretty on point. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's because there's this inner conflict that's big inner conflict that is basically like stealing her energy that she needs to work on. Okay. Uh, impulses will just completely screw you. Like you go for immediate gratification versus long-term goals, um, thirst for new experiences, wider horizons. But these restrictions that basically get in your way are... Again, largely self-created. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, your own worst enemy. Yeah. Um, You know, your fears and your ego drives, they just get in each other's way. Uh, Self-control can be so overdone that you become difficult to live with or work with. Just be around in general. (laughs) (laughs) 
a real defeatist attitude can grow out of this. Yeah. And, um, you know, just, just very ill-conceived plans that stem from pessimism and desperation. Ill-conceived plans. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of a loner by nature. Um, you can be disciplined, but your seriousness and reserve can just easily turn into depression. Really, her only chance at success in overcoming all of this is to put the past with its hurts and disappointments behind her. Mm. Like any skills, drives, instincts that would ultimately work toward her advantage in life is only going to develop when she overcomes these just negative expectations that she has. Yeah. So Wow. That's still... Best of luck to her on that. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, uh, before we move on to the moon, let's look at some famous Pisces. Yay! There were kind of a lot. Yeah? Like, a lot. I really had to cut this list down. But uh, we have Carrie Underwood, mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain, oh. Drew Barrymore, Jennifer Love Hewitt, my man Jensen Ackles, <laughs> Dr. Seuss, Albert Einstein, and... Osama Bin Laden. Oh. <laughs> mm, dun, dun, dun. All right. I need to drag down the mood there. But. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the moon. Yeah. Uh, the moon is. Yes. So the moon is a symbol of the uh, personal life, which is molded and shaped by our environment, by events, and by social and family interactions. So it shows our unconscious responses to life, which are based just on past habits and experiences. Mm. It's how you express your feelings and also represents your most general experiences with your family, specifically your mother. So, okay. Okay. Her moon is in Libra. So let's just get right into it. Yeah. Libra moon's two-faced. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this cardinal moon is just dead set on being right, getting their way. That being said, it is it is crucial for them to win fairly, even if that means arguing all night until you literally just want to die. Oh, God. <laughs> like, Libra Moon is just very obsessed with perfection. They need to be thought of as level-headed. So when they're upset, I mean, they pretty much turn to stone and just, like, plaster on this plastic happy face. And like you said, they'll just, like argue mm-hmm. yeah. until they feel that they've won exactly <laughs> they could maybe sound a little crazy when you do that a little crazy a little bit yeah yeah they just don't want people seeing them act in an ugly way but okay. even when they do act ugly um you know everything is still kind of done with this certain level of like tact and you know fairness to a sense you know it's that it's that libra in like, there. trying to, like, rationalize things yeah, to make like it seem fair. Yeah, like, in their head, it seems fair. Okay. It's not. <laughs> does, what does it say? Okay, I'm really interested in this. What mm-hmm. does it say about mother-daughter relationships? Yeah, okay, well, let's see. It doesn't get super specific about, like, what her... Well, a little bit. That that comes in some of the aspects a little bit later. Okay, so all right, we'll I'll wait. For sure. <laughs> um... So, yeah, so even though they do actively seek balance, Libra moons are just wildly temperamental, swinging from cheeriness to gloom like a pendulum. Wow. I don't know if I actually, I don't know if I know any Libra moons. Hmm. I think you might. I feel like, well, we definitely, I feel like we've done a Libra moon. Did we do a Libra moon already? I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, we might have. But I don't know any of those people. (laughs) Right, of course. Um, Okay, well, 
So Libra moons also have a very strong desire to please. So uh, while they are friendly and generally get along well with people, um, they're basically very tolerant of all different types. Yeah. So um, the eager to please thing has me cracking up and you'll know why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I can't wait to hear that. Um, so they can also get a little paralyzed through like an, an oversensitivity to others' perspectives. Hmm. Their feelings are very refined and it can be difficult at times to kind of establish your own equilibrium. Okay. So having, she would really need to like have her own space. That's totally hers. That would really be an essential need for her to really create inner peace. Okay. Um, she does have another hard aspect here. The moon is opposition, her Venus. So this shows a desire to come before the public to be recognized by others. Oh, okay. Like you're really shy and have difficulty putting your best foot forward. And at times you you withhold yourself or even intentionally put your worst foot forward because you want to gain <laughs> acceptance for who you really are. <laughs> um, very much longing for like significance and relationships that are just always in jeopardy. Until you know and accept yourself at a deeper level. Okay. Um, I don't know if anything is known about her diet habits or or whatever, but it does largely indicate like sugar, carbs, overeating as kind of a love substitute for her. Um, family and all domestic matters are are very symbolic of emotional needs here, uh, which are very much in conflict with her love nature. Yeah. <laughs> so while it doesn't get super specific on um, relationships with each individual family member, I do feel like it does indicate um, some serious issues that need to be worked on due to, to, to family stuff. Um, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, these the the really frustrating compromises between these two aspects of her nature just really present a long term path of personal growth that is needed. Like you just yeah. got to stop blaming circumstances and other people for everything, and take some personal responsibility for feelings and circumstances is the only way like this will like heal her. Wow, That's the only thing that she could do. So wow, um, we have another hard aspect here. Her moon is. Uh, square Uranus. So you get great ideas, but you become so mentally defensive that you fall into a pattern of like emotional instability <laughs> uh, that encourages you to promote less than your best ideas, okay. even if it's just to be different. Yeah. Um, you can. She's different already. Right. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> you can fall into like a negative spiral of being a social outcast. Um, your need for security is threatened by your consistent nervous drive for personal freedom. Okay. So lastly on the moon, I just thought it was super interesting and I just, I felt it was relevant. So the moon is in a soft aspect to Pluto. It's sextile her Pluto, which indicates that she will come before the general public at some time in her life, even if just briefly and that she has a powerful effect on others, passing along to them, like, the deepest residue of her life experience. Holy fucking shit. 
Oh, yeah? Yeah, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh, wow. you'll, you'll know. Yeah, okay. So, well, that is the moon. And now, of course, I want to do our moon and Libra celebrities. Celebrities. <laughs> so we have Alec Baldwin, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, my God, I love him. Kate Winslet. <laughs> oh. Sylvester Stallone. Bruce Springsteen. Walt Disney and Amelia Earhart. Oh, Some non-celebrities with the moon in Libra? My boyfriend. <laughs> now that you said that, you did tell me that before. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's, I mean, it's hard to remember everybody's. We've done so many at this point that we can't remember I mean, killers and <laughs> friends, friends and family. Co-workers. <laughs> I don't care who you are. Just give me your birthday. Yeah. Look at it. Call your mother right now. Yes. Get that birthday. <laughs> Get that birth time. <laughs> Okay. Um, all right. So let's look at her Mercury. Okay. Uh, Mercury is like your your mental life. Of course, it's it's uh, it shows how you receive and process information. Um, just kind of shows your basic attitude and mental habits. It's like the communication. Com- yeah, communication to simplify. Yeah. Um, her Mercury is in Aquarius, so definitely an original thinker. Um, yeah, uh, a, a, actually a, a pretty tireless worker, too, and powerful promoter of cause. You like working with instruments and machinery and have some mechanical aptitude, maybe? Um, but your temper can be problematic, getting you into squabbles, disagreements, where there doesn't really ever have to be any. Her temper's very problematic. Mm-hmm. Nothing um, with Nothing machinery, with but <laughs> the working hard has me laughing (laughs) she's a hard worker is she oh yeah (laughs) so um her (laughs) mercury uh, mercury semi-squared to her mars so her temper flares very quickly her mind becomes easily nervous overloaded with data um you experience this as irritation until you develop the ability to organize your thought process everything about this uh chart is all about her real need to dig deep and deal with so much inner stuff. Everything is like, when even when it talks about the negative, it's just like, but, you know, if you just kind of, you know, do some yoga, and meditate, ground yourself, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and um, you know, it just, more so than I've really ever seen in any chart, like every single placement it talks about, but, you know, if you just take some time and... Yeah, work on this or take your, you know, have like your own almost space every, to work on it. Like almost everything's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like yeah, everything, everything does seem like a challenge, <laughs> you know. Here, yeah. which I'm sure it was, but so yeah, you have some conflict between what you see as facts and what you hold as values. Uh, you can see what you believe to be the good life, but you have a difficulty getting to it. You sometimes engage in escapist fantasies or activity that actually carries you even further away from your goal, mm-hmm. prone to having a division between your inner and outer life that's just very self-defeating. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. So Mercury is opposition her Jupiter. So this is kind of like the master of jumping to the wrong conclusions. <laughs> patience and discipline you know, would really serve her well and, and guard her against, like, ending up being responsible for something that she would have no control over. Yeah. But you suffer from unrealistic expectations of other people. Okay. And you're taken advantage of primarily because of your own wishful thinking. 
Okay, so, yeah. Yes, yes, it does. Especially kind of when we get towards the end of her story mm-hmm. being taken advantage of. Yeah. Okay. All right, so I think the probably the last one I want to touch on before we get into her story. I mean, there's obviously other planets and stuff here, but, um, you know... We'll hear the story first, and then if maybe there's some relevance. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll go back to it. Yeah, we'll go but back let's, to uh, it. But let's talk about Venus. Let's talk about her love. Her love planet. <laughs> her Venus is in Aries. Oh, my Venus is in Aries. <laughs> oh, is it? So is my husband's. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Roasting both y'all right now. No. <laughs> Let me hear it. Yes. Okay. We crazy. <laughs> so, all right. Well, so Venus in Aries. You, you take charge. You make the first move, and you supply the adventure. You're very direct in your approach to others. Uh, You love adventure, but you need to be first and don't adjust easily to others' moods and feelings. Mm, You may fall in love very quickly. I think it's it's very true for Mm -hmm. her. Yeah. Also for me. (laughs) Right. I just want to say that when I'm saying that that applies, I'm talking about her. You're not like, "Uh uh-huh, that's me, all right. Yeah, I mean, it it also is, but I am talking about her. Got it. (laughs) Okay. So um, we have an aspect between Venus and the moon. shows that she has a very powerful emotional nature and affected at a pretty deep level by other people's thoughts and opinions about her. Mm. Uh, Venus is in a soft aspect to her Jupiter, <laughs> which actually says that her life would better, like, materi- materialistically, I guess, get better through marriage. Oh, my so. God. <laughs> when I tell you this, <laughs> you'll get it. Anyways, okay. let's go. <laughs> All right. All right. So um, for some hard aspects... We have um, Venus in hard aspect to her Uranus, Venus square Uranus, a very unusual and just unstable emotional nature. Yep. You can be stubborn, cold, and detached one minute and then just completely involved the next. Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) You fall in out of love very easily, prone to abrupt but passing infatuations. Yeah. Um, Just... uh, Says as you get older, you would learn to maybe not act immediately on those attractions. So, no. Uh, but uh, we shall see. Yeah, you are in love with freedom, and relationships represent freedom to you until you're really in them, okay. and then they kind of seem like a prison. Yeah. <laughs> so when you find freedom inside your own soul, like your relationships will become more stable. Yeah. So again, inner work. Inner work. <laughs> um. So. You're unstable in the expression of your affections. You want to be close to people, but you also just want to be free, like, to do what comes up spontaneously. Yeah. Very, the spontaneous aspect, mm -hmm. yes. Yep. Uh, Easily led by feelings. Um, Just um, emotional conflict just comes because you have unrealistic expectations of life. You're inspired by an unattainable ideal, very creative, yet often disappointed by your own inability to achieve your ideals of love and beauty. Okay. Um, just realize as an adult that you're actually trying to win approval from a childhood authority figure that maybe is just isn't present in your life anymore. Oh. So that is what we have on our Venus. I do also want to say um, one of the things I didn't talk about 
but it was literally in every single placement was talking about how artistic and if nurtured the right way, what an amazing artist in some way or another, like she would have been. Huh. So I, I didn't, I wanted to throw that out there because I wasn't sure if that was going to be a thing, but it was kind of one of the things I skipped over. Cause I mean, there's so much <laughs> like, I yeah. was going to say everything, but like, um, but I feel like, you know, everything, even from like a very young age, talking about how, um, like a, a, a real interest in anything like artsy and yeah. if developed, like would have just been like a badass artist of, of some kind. I mean, so. <laughs> I didn't see anything okay. with that. Yeah. Um, That's but because she didn't develop that. It, I mean, we all know that. Definitely. She did not develop it. Okay. So who knows? Maybe. It's just one of those things where like, what could have been? Yeah. Because you maybe been a little bit more in tune with yourself. Yeah, exactly. Especially yeah. since that was all over her chart. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Okay. All right. So. Before we get into it, I just want to say, as always, it contains graphic content, so you have been warned. Today, we are talking about Ms. Eileen Warnos. Oh, shit. I do know that one. (laughs) Yes. Um, She was known to her friends as Lee. She was born Eileen Carol Pittman on February 29th, 1956 in Rochester, Michigan. She killed seven men in Florida between 1989 and 1990. I do just want to say, you know, obviously most people know who she is, but she really did have an awful life. It's not an mm-hmm. excuse for any of the terrible things she did, but you know how you just see some people and you're like, you think they were just born evil yeah. or, you know, they could have the best childhood and just still do all these terrible things. But if I were to look at someone's life and be like, oh, yeah, they're going to be fucked up and probably kill people, it is it this her. woman's life. Oh, yes. That's too bad. So her mother, Diane Warnos, married Eileen's father, Leo Dale Pittman, when she was 14 and he was 16 in 1954. And she had an older brother, Keith, who was born March 14th, 1955. So after less than two years of marriage and just two months before Eileen was born, Diane filed for divorce. Eileen never met her father. He was in jail when she was born. And he was also diagnosed with schizophrenia. And he was arrested for kidnapping and raping a seven-year-old girl. Her dad? Yes. And then he ended up taking his own life by hanging himself in prison on January 30th. 1969. Mm-hmm. So that's her dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. good thing he's like not around. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't going to do any favors for her growing up anyways. No. So. Well, her mother abandoned her and her brother when she was almost four years old in January of 1960. She left them with their grandparents, Lori and Britta Warnos, and they adopted Eileen and Keith just a couple months after their mother abandoned them. Was she, like, on drugs or something? Or, like, just didn't want to deal with that anymore? Did no. it really go into why she... No, I didn't find a whole lot into why. She just, you know, just, just couldn't deal. Yeah. And she was 14 when she, you yeah, know... she was young. Yeah, mm-hmm. when she got married and then back to back because she was born in 56 and her older brother was born in 55, you oh, know? yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was just, like, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Also... Because they were adopted by their grandparents so young, and their mother was so young, they actually thought that their grandparents were their real parents until Mm. Eileen was, like, 11. Mm -hmm. So, that's interesting. So, now we're going to talk about her 
grandparents. These two gems were both alcoholics. Her grandfather was said to be terrifying and violent. He would beat Eileen and leave visible bruises for all to see. So, rough start, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. Again, not an excuse. I just think we can acknowledge that it's For sure, yeah. By the time she was 11, and this is right when she found out, right around when she found out that her her parents were really her grandparents, she was engaging in sexual activities in school for cigarettes, drugs, and food. For food. For food. Yeah. And then she also claimed that she had a sexual relationship with her brother, but, like, none of that was confirmed. Oh, my God. Well, why would you lie about something like that? It's... She goes back and forth on a lot of stuff, very you know, uh, could, unstable. Yeah, so there was a lot of instability yeah. and a lot of like weird fantasies too. Yes, in her chart, so who knows? That yes, could have been part of that. Well, she also said that her grandfather would sexually assault her and continue to beat her as a child, but before beating her, he would force her to strip out of her clothes, and this was pretty much confirmed like really yeah um, yeah i mean a lot of um psy- psychiatrists that saw her i mean it was very consistent with childhood abuse so mm-hmm. i mean i believe that yeah um in 1970 when she was 14 years old she became pregnant as a result of being raped by an accomplice of her grandfather's you know, this actually would probably explain just what kind of parent he is, like maybe why her mom got pregnant so young, too. He probably did the same shit to her. Like, yeah. Who knows? So her grandparents blamed her for getting pregnant and forced her to give up the child. She gave birth to... Oh, she had to have it and everything? She gave birth to a baby boy at a home for unwed mothers on March 23rd, 1971, and placed him up for adoption. And then a few months after she gave birth, she dropped out of school. And then about that same time, her grandmother died of liver failure. And that was when she was like 15. And then her grandfather kicked her out. And she began supporting herself as a sex worker and living in the woods near her old house. Just so, in the woods? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's easy for a lot of these stories to have sympathy for these people. Obviously, sure. this is an awful life. Um, that will go out of the window, and mm-hmm. I will tell you what a piece of shit she was. Okay, I do. I do remember watching the movie when it came out, but I don't like remember the details about it. Okay, yeah, there was a lot that I didn't know about this too, even okay. though I know what she did and who she was. And I, who knows, like when it comes to Hollywood, if how accurate, like a lot know. of it was not accurate. Okay. They definitely went with more of the romanced versions of things, but mm-hmm. Eileen kind of t- told several versions okay of things but it's the movie monster that yeah, you're yeah. talking about uh-huh. with Charlize Theron I love that movie mm-hmm. and I think she for being as drop dead gorgeous as she is how did she and look she, like that and she looks exactly like her I have a picture yeah yeah okay so this I did it's like a, like a side by side yes it's a side by side the left is actually Eileen Warnos and the right is oh my god Charlize Theron in Monster it is insane wow. how much she looks like her how did she do that like what I think what maybe witchcraft they, is this no. <laughs> I don't know I don't know um, maybe they had very similar like builds and so makeup like bone structure bone structure yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I can see it but also it makes me think you know how gorgeous she used to be as well. Oh, really? So let me show you this. So this is her when she was young. I oh, mean, wow. she wasn't... She almost 
does. I mean, doesn't obviously not as gorgeous as Charlize. No, but she like, was a she's lot prettier. Very, yeah, but she's very pretty, though. Yeah, she was very pretty. I know that I've seen pictures of her, and even in the one, like, how do her teeth get worse? Like, why do they look so much more crooked in those, like, um, other pictures? I don't know. Maybe drugs? Like, I see maybe one little little snackle tooth over there. But, like, I just feel like her teeth all looked very yeah. weird. I don't know. Maybe drugs? Maybe. So, Eileen really just lived her life as a drifter. Mm-hmm. Working as a prostitute, hitchhiking, staying in different hotel rooms, sleeping outside in the woods. She was drinking, smoking, and partying pretty heavily. So she then started getting in trouble with the law. When she was 18, she was arrested in Colorado for driving under the influence, disorderly conduct, and firing a 22 caliber pistol from a moving vehicle. She was then charged for a failure to appear. Was she charged? Was she shooting at someone, or she was just kind of driving by? Just yeah, it just says that she was just shooting shooting from a moving vehicle. Okay. So then this is going to apply with your uh, quick relationships as well as stability materialistically Uh through marriage. Okay. In 1976, she hitchhiked to Florida and very quickly met and married 69-year-old Yacht Club president Louis Gratzfell. She got her sugar daddy. Yes. He even printed their nuptials in the local paper's society pages. Ooh. (laughs) But, you know, drifter gonna drift. <laughs> that wasn't enough, huh? No, getting married to Lewis and being taken care of was just too boring for her. Wow. Um, yeah, which I'm sorry, but if I was fucking sleeping in the woods and then met and married this yacht club president and could get, like, could want for nothing, I would be fucking that, set. I would be able to entertain myself just fine. I would not be fucking that up. No. Yeah, so, but, you know, I'm not a drifter or a serial killer, so who knows? True, (laughs) So she would continuously get into bar fights, and she was arrested for assault. She even assaulted her husband by beating him with his own cane, and then he got a restraining order against her. And this was all just within weeks of the marriage. That's it. So after that, she went back home to Michigan like nothing really changed. She was arrested and charged with assault and disturbing the peace for throwing a cue ball at a bartender's head. (laughs) So then by July of 1976, her brother Keith was dying of esophageal cancer. Mm -hmm. Young. He was, I think he was like 21. And then when she went to go, yeah, when she went to go visit him on his deathbed, she was absolutely wasted, smoking and drinking in his hospice room, trying to pour shots down his throat. It's just awful. And then he died July 17th, 1976. And then her marriage was annulled on July 21st after just nine weeks. Mm. There's a pretty eventful few months. She married. So she married Louis uh, May 4th. And then by July, she's back in Michigan. No marriage. Visiting her brother on his deathbed. And then I, I forgot to mention that in March of that same year, her grandfather killed himself by uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. I mean, you know. Wow. Not that he was a good person or anything. Well, so. no. I mean, I, I think that actually speaks volumes yeah. on what she probably said about him was true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just like, that was a very, of 1976 was a big year for Eileen, apparently. Yeah, it was. But it also shows, too, with the, um, well, 
like the prone to even like the drugs and alcohol to escape yeah. from things, even, you know, even when your brother is on his deathbed and that's still going to be like, yeah, what you're doing literally right there, like with him. That's, that's yeah. so sad. It's very sad. So because they only had each other, uh, when Keith passed away, Eileen got $10,000 from his life insurance. So after yet another drunk driving incident, she had a ticket for $105, which she used her inheritance money to pay for, and then spent the rest of it within two months. Drugs. Yeah. Well, besides, like, just, you know, spending it on whatever. Just living, drifting. Drifting. (laughs) um, She bought a new car and then wrecked it shortly after. So, yeah. Again. 1976, crazy year. Still 1976. Yes, because he died in July, got the money, and then she spent it all in two months. Oh my god! Yeah, crazy year. So, going forward to May of 1981, Eileen is back in Florida. This time, she gets arrested for armed robbery. She robbed a convenience store wearing shorts and a bikini top. (laughs) She stole 35 bucks and two packs of cigarettes. That's it. And then she she actually did some time for this. She was in prison for 13 months, being released in June of 1983. By 1984, she was arrested again for trying to pass forged checks at a bank. Then in 1985, she was a suspect in the theft of a revolver and ammunition. In 1986, she was arrested again and charged with car theft, resisting arrest, and obstruction of justice by giving her aunt's ID and claiming that it was her. And then they found a 38 caliber revolver and a box of ammunition in that stolen car. Of course they did. Later that year, she was detained for questioning after a male companion accused her of pulling a gun in his car and demanding $200. She was carrying ammunition, and there was a 22 pistol under the passenger seat that she was in. She wasn't charged, though. I don't know... Hmm. Why? That seems like pretty... Yeah, like a, a pretty... Um, like open and shut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it was around then that Eileen met the love of her life and probably the only person to truly love her. Like, maybe her brother did, but, you know, we don't... Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously in a different way, but, like... But we don't She had no one. no parental relationships. No, they didn't love her. Sure. So, yeah. like, I mean, like, nobody really loved yeah. her. Like, maybe mm-hmm. her brother. But, again, he died so young. They never really got a chance as they to were really adults. adult relationship. Yeah, yeah. no. Mm-hmm. So, that was Ty Moore. And I have a picture of Ty. Is this who Christina Ricci played in the movie? So, yes and no. So this was her at the trial. Mm, okay. So she, they used a totally different name in the movie. Okay. And also, Christina Ricci looks I was going to say, they used a different look as well. They used a very different look. <laughs> um, the character was heavily based on her. Okay. But looks-wise and names and a few other details, details, not her. Okay. That's probably the main part I remember from that movie is yeah. pretty much just like their relationship. Because yeah. Because so... 
awkward to watch kind of and weird because yeah. you know just because she's so she was just so awkward in it yes you know? very awkward so such a great job ty mm. was a hotel maid and they met at a daytona beach lesbian bar mm. they very quickly moved in together and eileen supported them with her earnings as a prostitute now was this her first like lesbian experience Did she just all of a sudden kind of decide one day like to? i, I mean i don't think she had any true relationships so sure. she was just working yeah. As a prostitute, she was probably a lesbian. Well, no, she married the... She married the dude, the but, dude, you know, but clearly... It was nine that, weeks. Yeah. You know, I... So, I don't, I don't know if she had always been a lesbian, or if she just recently decided, or maybe she was just, just in like the ready bar. ready to try something new, I think. Maybe, yeah. yeah. She seemed... She needed a lot of change, mm-hmm. it seemed like. Yeah. So, they got into a bit of trouble together, Living the drifter life, going from hotel to hotel, sleeping in the woods, getting into bar fights, what or is in the woods. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe because that's where, when her grandfather kicked her out, that's where she slept. Maybe she's, she's comfortable there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one time in 1988 where Eileen accused a bus driver of assault and claimed that he pushed her off the bus after a confrontation. Hmm. So that was odd, but hmm. you know, throughout. Everything else that I'll go over, jail time up until her death, she claimed to still be in love with Ty. It was just Aww. the love of her life. It's kind of sweet. Sweet and sad. And very sad. Yeah. So soon after this is when Eileen would commit the first of her seven murders, mm-hmm. all within the span of 12 months. Many people say that Eileen Warnos is America's first female serial killer, and that's not exactly true. There, there have been several, such as Nanny Doss, Delphine Lalaurie, Jane Toppin, Dorothea Puente. I mean, a lot. But the difference is that most female serial killers kill children, the elderly, um, or their husbands. Yeah. They, they typically kill in sprees mm-hmm. versus a sequential fashion that serial killers do. Okay. So what makes Eileen different is that she killed closer to the way male serial killers killed. Mm-hmm. Sequential fashion. Brutal. She got a personal gratification out of it. So that's why she's labeled as America's first female serial killer. Okay. So on November 30th, 1989, Eileen killed her first victim, a 51-year-old man named Richard Charles Mallory. Now, I know. I know. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so now he was not a good guy. I will tell you that. He's okay. not a good guy. He was a convicted rapist and an alcoholic. Oh, so he wasn't just some guy that's like, hey, I'd like to pick up a prostitute. Oh, no, he was. Okay. But he was also he was a, a rapist bag. and an okay. alcoholic. Okay. Yeah, he was still so shitbag. It worked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that he deserved to die. I'm just saying that he wasn't great. (laughs) Neither of them were. Right, right. So Eileen would go back and forth with this particular case on what happened. Mm. She claimed self-defense. Then she said, no, I just killed him. And then it was like, no, it actually was self-defense. So nobody really knows. Eileen claimed that she was hitchhiking. He picked her up. They drank and talked, and she offered her services to him. Mm -hmm. He agreed, but at some point they got into some type of argument. She says that he threatened to kill her, that he sodomized her, and brutally beat her. She had her gun on her, and as she claims in self-defense, shot Mallory several times, but the two bullets in the left lung were what was found to be the cause of death. Mm. Police found his body two days later, and then after a while, the case just went cold. So whether or not that first one was self-defense, the rest of the murders were not. Right, okay. 
So Eileen, like she didn't even try to claim self defense. In um, there are some points where she said all seven of them tried, okay. and you know she just goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. But the rest of them, they weren't. I I think I think that he probably did. Richard Mallory did try to rape her, and I think that was it. But Eileen claimed that that kind of that was the first one that triggered her into murdering the others. Mm-hmm. David Andrew Spears was a 47-year-old construction worker who was declared missing May 19, 1990. On June 1st, his naked body was found along U.S. Route 19 in Florida. He was shot six times with a 22 pistol. David, he was actually on the way to his ex-wife's house to go shopping for their daughter's birthday present. I know. Okay. And while they were but divorced. But he decided to stop and get a prostitute. I know. So I'm sorry, but. So while they were divorced, they were very close. They were married oh, for okay. 20 years. They just had a good relationship. So it was odd. Sorry, not only I to thought her, you were making it sound like it was like a family man who is like. Well, we don't know. So this is, <laughs> this is why I'm like, I don't know. So not only did his wife, but everyone that knew him thought it was like really odd that he would pick up Eileen. Mm. So a lot of people think that. So she didn't dress like a prostitute. She wore regular clothes. Wore regular clothes. Mm-hmm. So they think that maybe he saw her and thought maybe he would help her out and then picked her up and then maybe she, you know, offered her services mm-hmm. and either they did or they didn't. Okay. Um, so she later told police if we did what we agreed to do, he, he would have gone his way and I would have gone my way. But she always said that she felt threatened, whether that was something created in her own mind because of her past or whether they really did. I just find it odd that all of a sudden in this, you know, one time. So maybe it was the first one that did that and then everything else she looked at as a threat. Yeah. Uh, You know, we just don't know. Yeah. So maybe maybe he didn't want to pay. So that's another thing I was thinking of. People still the... uh at the prostitute at the end. Is yeah. That, uh... <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe he picked her up and she offered her services and maybe he agreed mm-hmm. and then didn't want to pay and maybe that's why she killed him. I don't know. Because because then there's the thing about him being found naked. <laughs> she didn't oh. strip any of her other victims. So it's very possible that either they did have sex or they were going to. At least enough for him to be naked it before she like, shot him. Yeah, it would be like, why would you make that much, like, take that much effort to, like... Exactly. Yeah. She didn't. Mm-hmm. So he was naked. Obviously he was already naked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the next one was Charles... Edmund Karskadon, he was 40 years old, and he was killed not long after, on May 31st, 1990. His body was found June 6th. He was shot nine times with a 20 caliber weapon, and his body was wrapped in an electric blanket and badly decomposing. Mm. Do you remember electric blankets? Yes, I, I do. I My family had one, and I, I loved it. Yeah. But I guess it <laughs> can, like, start a lot of fires. Oh, really? I see now why it would be a little dangerous, but... Yeah. Yeah, I guess so, but I don't know. It I don't seems know. like it would be such a low setting. Does it really, like... I don't know. I don't know, but hmm. just want to say, you know, shout out to electric blankets. I actually keep a little mini electric blanket. Oh, for, really? For PJ. And I Aww. just, like, put it under her bed. So she's <laughs> now I'm all worried. I'm like, oh my god, my house is going to start on fire. Your okay. cat's going to get caught on fire. <laughs> I know. That's not funny. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. <laughs> So, witnesses actually saw Eileen in possession of his car, and she also pawned his gun. 
So then there was Peter Abraham Seams. He was 65 years old when he left Florida to go to Arkansas. On 4th of July, 1990, his car was found in Orange Springs, Florida. Both Eileen and Ty were seen abandoning the car, and Eileen's palm print was found on the door handle inside the vehicle because they crashed the car, and his body was just never found. Oh, okay. Yeah. Troy Eugene Bress was a 50-year-old sausage salesman from Florida. (laughs) Sausage for sale, did he? He was reported missing on July 31st, 1990. On August 4th, his body was found in a wooded area along State Road 19, and he was shot twice. Dick Humphreys was 56 when he died on September 11th, 1990. Grow up, Bethany. (laughs) He was 56. He died September 11th, 1990. He was a retired U.S. Air Force major, a former state child abuse investigator, and a former chief of police. Hmm. His body was found September 12th. He was fully clothed and shot six times in the head and torso. So Eileen's final victim was Walter Antonio, who was a 62-year-old trucker, security guard, and police reservist. November 19th, 1990, his nearly naked body was found near a remote logging road where trucks transport logs. (laughs) Of course they do. Of course they do. (laughs) He was shot four times, and five days later, his car was found in another county. So, a whole year of murder. How'd she get caught? One of the reasons it was tough is because Eileen went by several aliases. Mm. But if you remember, Eileen and Ty were seen on 4th of July in Seam's Mm -hmm. car after they crashed it. Witnesses gave police their descriptions, and they're... Very unique-looking individuals. For sure. Uh, Police found some of the victim's belongings in pawn shops. In order Mm -hmm. to pawn something, you have to give your fingerprints. Oh, you do? They were able to match those fingerprints with those that were found in the victim's car. And Eileen, as we know, had quite the criminal record, so her fingerprints were definitely on file. Hmm. So on January 9th, 1991, Eileen was arrested at The Last Resort, which was a biker bar in Florida. And Mm -hmm. I have a picture of that as well. So this all happened within what time frame? A year. It was November of 1989. Mm -hmm. And her last murder was November of 1990. And then she was found like two months later. So from beginning to capture was a little over a year. Okay. So that's the bar. That's the bar. That's slightly terrifying well it's not very welcoming i I mean i no i'm not i'm not saying i wouldn't stop in for a drink if you know it was the only bar around eileen is not a very welcoming looking person true another i I feel like she'd fit into a biker bar though definitely so so then where was ty where was ty in all this she is not completely innocent in this she had knowledge of at least one of the murders and didn't tell police. At least one of them. At least one. So after Eileen murdered Richard Mallory, she stole his car and she drove home to Ty and told her she killed a man who tried to rape her. She was not approving of Eileen prostituting and was not very fond of living in hotel rooms, trailers, and the woods. Yeah. Especially the woods. Especially the woods. (laughs) She told Eileen that she did not want to know any more about what she did. But I feel like she, Mm. even even if that was true, she had to know that she was still killing more people and just chose to turn a blind eye. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were both pawning stolen items from the murdered men. And Eileen still made managed to kill her last three victims 
as police were closing in on her. So she, they, they pretty much had her, and they then were she killed her already. Yeah, yeah, and she killed three more people. Okay. So when Ty heard that Eileen was wanted, she just dipped to Pennsylvania to live with her sister. I know. So the day after Eileen was arrested at the biker bar, Ty was picked up in Pennsylvania, and officers took her statement, but they didn't charge her with anything. But since Eileen was the one that police really wanted, they made Ty an offer. She had to get Eileen to confess to the murders in exchange for immunity. They set her up in a motel room in Daytona, and they gave her a backstory to tell Eileen. Mm -hmm. And they had her tell her that her mother gave her money to come back to Florida to collect her things, and that police were questioning her family, and that she could be blamed for the murders. And she was able to get Eileen to give more details with each phone call. First, she didn't want to talk about any of it, and then just the more they talked the more she let on. So by the sixth call, she assured Ty that she would not let her go to jail. On January 16th, Eileen confessed to the murders of all seven men and assured police that Ty was innocent. How we talked about the, like, self-sacrificing aspect of it. Ty could have definitely, and in my opinion, fucking should have gone to jail. yeah, 100%. I remember, I do remember kind of that part, even from the movie. I yeah. I was so mad, like, at her for, like, doing that. Yeah, I know, movies always make you sympathize with, you know, they make sympathize with the killer sometimes. But, like, yeah. um, but, like, yeah, no, that that is, like, absolutely, like, fucked up. Yeah. So, that wasn't all that she had to do. She had to testify against Eileen in court about... When she told her, when she came home and said that she mm-hmm. killed Richard Mallory and that she she said that she didn't even seem upset about it. Mm-hmm. So when the phone confession tapes were played in court and Eileen realized that she had been set up by Ty, she just cried while they were being played. I know that's sad. And today, Ty lives in Pennsylvania with her wife and family and just wants to live her life. I bet she does. Yeah. I mean... Fuck Eileen, but fuck right. Ty. Seriously, fuck both of them. Yeah. At sentencing, psychiatrists testified that Eileen was mentally unstable. She was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder as well as antisocial personality mm-hmm. disorder. Despite this, though, four days later, she was sentenced to death. There are so many interviews with Eileen Warnos everywhere on the internet, YouTube, and I just wanted to play a quick snippet of one. Okay. I personally am on the fence with the death penalty. I I just go back and forth with it. Same. But to Same. me, I think with her mental illness issues, yes. that maybe she should have been put in some type of psych ward mm-hmm. or something, but you know, that's Agreed. just my personal yeah. mm-hmm. opinion. You know, I wouldn't say I would blame the murders on her mental illness, but sure. you know, just listen to this, let me know what you think. Okay. Thing that you're, you're saying they did. Uh-huh. Nonetheless, yeah. you killed seven men. Yes, you did. And I'm asking you, what got you to kill the seven men? And I'm men? telling you because the cops let me keep killing them, Nick. Don't no, you not, get it? Not everybody is killing seven people. So there must have been something in you that was getting you to Oh, you them. are lost, Nick. So I was a hitchhiking hooker. Right. Running into trouble. I'd shoot, shoot the guy if I ran into trouble physical trouble the cops knew it when the physical trouble came along let them let her clean the streets and then we'll pull her in but that's how come why there was so much physical trouble it just it, because it was all in one year seven people in one oh, year oh well oh well 
But why not say now? Because I'm out of retaliation for taking my life like this and getting rich off it all these years in, in total pathological lying. Yeah, thanks a lot. I lost my fucking life because of it. Couldn't even get a fair trial. Couldn't even get a fair investigation or nothing. Couldn't even have my appeals right. You sabotaged my ass society and the cops and the system. A raped woman got executed. It was used for books and movies and shit. Bladder climbs, re-election, everything else. Well, she ain't wrong. I mean, exactly. Like when I said that she's taken advantage of, um, I think she, I think I read somewhere that I know she sold the rights to her story for, I think it was 60 bucks. Because it's not um, like she six, gets anything, right? 60 bucks a month for the rest of her life. And that interview was the day before she was executed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's why she's saying, you know, I lost my life because of it. Mm -hmm. You executed a raped woman. Yeah. But also, you can just feel like you can just tell the mentally she's not right. The eyes, just everything was just very. Very intense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think what, I don't think what happened to her was, you know, very fair. I mean, especially when you look at some of these people that, that do get life. And, and I don't, you know, I think that can be almost a worse punishment for people who deserve it sometimes. Yeah. It's just like to just be able, just to have to spend your life, the rest of your life in jail. Yeah. Um, but someone like her, maybe, especially at a point now where, I know we've talked about this before, even like with like Sandy Charles, to where now just being like, people being so much more aware of like mental illness issues. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe like she would have had a chance for something else or some kind of other yeah. rehabilitation. You know, I feel like she never really got even a, a chance mm. at rehabilitation. Whereas Catherine Knight was like literally put into several mental yeah. health facilities and was given every chance to better herself. Of course, that was also Australia. That's true. Mm -hmm. um, Australia and then Sandy Charles was Canada. So you're looking at yeah. the U.S. here really yeah. when it comes yeah. down to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you caught caught what she said about um, the police knew about it. She mm. had this whole, like, conspiracy that the police were watching her from before she killed. They knew she was killing. They let her keep killing. She kept saying, they let me do it. Like, it was, like again... They, they just wanted to, like, keep watching her do it or something? Or I don't... They It was really weird. Like, she just... But again, said, that's mentally the mental... You know, she there was mental going on there. if you go watch like the full interview, she talks mm -hmm. about how like her food was poisoned. She felt like she always washed her food off. And she said the one time she didn't wash her food off before she ate it. She was sick for three weeks that people were sabotaging her like she, very paranoid being in jail. Like even she was declining even more. Yeah, like, for sure. More rapidly. Yeah. So after she was convicted of Mallory's murder on March 31st, 1992, she pled no contest to murders of Humphreys, Bress, and Spears, saying that she wanted to get right with God, and in her statement in court in part, she said, I wanted to confess to you that Richard Mallory did violently rape me as I've told you, but these others did not. They only began to start to. And on May 15th, 1992, she was given three more death sentences. In June of 1992, she pleaded guilty to the murder of Karskadon. On November that same year, received her fifth death sentence. In February 1993, she pleaded guilty to the murder of Antonio and given another death sentence. No charges were brought against her for the murder of Seams because there was never a body found. 
And I think that's odd because it's because of his murder that they found her because that's where the, they crashed the car and they found her yeah. fingerprints or her handprint. Mm-hmm. So all in all, Eileen Warnos received six death sentences. During her time in prison, she told several inconsistent stories about the murders. She claimed all seven men raped her and then recanted the self-defense claim. She said that she did it to rob them and leave no witnesses. And then during one of her interviews, when she thought the cameras were off, she told the interviewer it actually was in self-defense, but she could not stand being on death row and she wanted to die. She was assessed during the using the psychopathy checklist, which is used to assess if a person is psychotic. And Eileen scored 32 out of 40. And scores that are above 30 are consistent with the diagnosis of psychopathy. So it's said that the sexual abuse she endured as a child, as well as having a career in sex work, would have completely damaged her. Also, add on all the traumatic experiences that happened throughout most of her young life, That could also play a part in her psychological state. So this includes her mother abandoning her and her grandmother ignoring the abuse she had endured Mm -hmm. from her grandfather, which led to a lack of development of any type of mother-daughter bond for her as a young girl. Mm -hmm. Then you add in the fact that even further damaged the relationship between her and her grandparents when she found out that they actually were her grandparents and not her real parents. So she had an explosive temper like we saw in the chart. Mm -hmm. Um, This can also, it just made it really difficult for her to have friends or maintain any type of relationship. Mm -hmm. Severe trauma like this can interrupt the development of the mind. And in result, quote, primitive, dissociative, and splitting defenses to ward off the intensity of emotional and sexual stimulation that cannot be integrated as a child. So again, I again I want to say it's not an excuse. Many people have ter- terrible childhoods and they don't murder people. Of course. But I just thought it was really interesting how all of this kind of yeah. played a part in it. I mean, it seems like from... Before she was even born. It was like she was set up for failure. Absolutely. I mean, it's just one of those, like, really sad cases to where, like, again, it's not um, necessarily, um, you know, an ex- or excusing it, but it's understanding why someone doesn't maybe take a normal path in life. Yeah, exactly. what would lead them down. Or at least their mental state. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just really sad. It is. But it's crazy interesting. Like, I didn't I didn't know all the details before. Yeah. So, so Eileen Warnos was executed by lethal injection on October 9th, 2002 at 9.47 a.m. She declined her last meal. I believe it has something to do with the poisoning. Although, I feel like you're about to... Might as well die. I mean, yeah. yeah. She only had a cup of coffee, and her last words were, Yes, I would just like to say, I'm sailing with the rock, and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus. June 6th, like the movie. Big mothership and all. I'll be back. I'll be back. Mm. A little crazy. <laughs> okay, and we still thought she was sane enough to just be put to death. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right. Mm. So mm-hmm. I wanted to see if there were, like, any interesting side facts that I didn't know about previously for mm-hmm. Eileen Warnos. And I did mm-hmm. find a, a couple, so I thought I would share. Yes. So first I learned that Jeb Bush actually signed her death warrant and helped get her executed. Oh, he would. Yeah. 
And then I learned, which I didn't know. And then when I read it, I was like, oh, I remember hearing something about this. Mm -hmm. She was adopted as an adult by a woman named Arlene Praley. Really? Who was a born-again Christian horse trader and said she loves Lee more than she loves her husband. But I honestly think that she just kind of saw her as an opportunity and used her. Mm-hmm. Eileen had a falling out with her and accused her of exploiting her story. And then um, Arlene was not present at her execution. Oh. This one is funny and sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. Her nickname as a teenager, remember she was doing the sexual yeah, favors? Yeah, like food and cigs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her nickname was Cigarette Pig. <sighs> because she would trade sexual favors for cigarettes. Wow. That's so sad and That's a little so, funny. Wow, so <laughs> And then at her funeral, she requested that Natalie Merchant's song Carnival was played, and they played that at the end of the movie Monster. Did they? They did. I'm going to have to rewatch that movie. I know. Now. I was thinking about it, too. I watched yeah. the interviews, but mm-hmm. I didn't have time to watch the movie before we did this, but just makes me want to do it. Yes. <laughs> um, so that is the story of Eileen Warnos. Wow. Can I say, out of all the ones that we've done, I always think that they match up. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've seen one that has matched up quite as well as this one did. Because I feel like every single placement was kind of, in one way or another, saying very similar things. More or less, at least in like the the wrap-up or whatever. The family, though. That's why I was very interested Mm. in the mother-daughter relationship. Because the fact that she didn't get to develop any type of mother-daughter bond with her yeah. biological or her grandmother. Clearly like, was not nurtured at all no. like, as a child. And, I mean, that's <laughs> this is what can happen because yeah. of that. But, yeah, and, and, and that, 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 that is what was interesting in this chart is, you know, that it did indicate just a whole lot of inner conflict and struggles emotionally yeah. and how much, um, you know, digging deep and just like working on those demons, you know, exactly. would be for her, which of course, I mean, who knows, maybe she did that at the end, but honestly, I think towards the end, it just started, it starts kind of sounding like maybe she just lost it a little bit more and more, yeah. um, in the end there. So um, I do want to show you a picture of the victims because okay. I, mental state or not, it's very sad what happened sure. to these men mm-hmm. and- I honestly, I feel bad for all of them except for Richard Mallory. Yeah. You give Mallory a bad name. (laughs) I know. So these are the victims and they're all kind of, you know, old, older men. Yeah. You know, but Richard Mallory kind of looks like a piece of shit to me. Yeah, he does. Well, and he was a piece of shit. So I mean, if you believe her story that he raped her, but. Well, you said he had like a criminal record. He was convicted. And funny thing, they refused that they refused to let the defense bring that up during the case because they said that it wasn't relevant. How is that not relevant? She's claiming he raped her and he is a A convicted convicted rapist. rapist. Oh, but it's not relevant. Yeah, you know, I think it really just goes to show that she was definitely destined to get an unfair trial, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, The other six, though, 100% her fault. She definitely should have been, in my opinion, Put away for the rest of her life, but in maybe uh, like a psych ward if yeah. or, or something, you know, I don't think maybe put to death, but you know, that's just my opinion. And also mm-hmm. she died when I was 12. So oh, it's yeah. not like I had a say in it. True. <laughs> so yeah, I think 
I think that's all we got on her. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say? You know, I, I was kind of browsing through, like, a, you know, the other planets that were left. But again, like, a lot of it is, is just more of the same. Kind of repetitive. stuff. So, yeah, I think we got everything. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, next week we're doing something a little different with our episodes. Mm-hmm. So we hope you like it. And then we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming. So please like, share, and subscribe. Check out our Instagram at Killer Stargazing for pictures of the stories we tell, killer cocktail recipes, things like that. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mal underscore Evelyn underscore. And where can they find you, Bethany? You can find me at Blame My Pisces Moon. <laughs> so email us. Send us any true crime stories, things that happen to you or happen to someone you know or something crazy or spooky that just kind of happened in your area whatever it is send it to us killerstargazing at gmail.com